We're so glad that you joined us today for this podcast from Bishop Quentin Moore and the Father's House in Hutchinson, Kansas. God loves you and wants the best for you, and we want to hear what God is doing in your life. Share your story with us by sending an email to mystory@fathershouse.net. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at fathershouse.net slash give. Just select the option that works for you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you got a Bible, I'm going to go to one verse, and then I'm just going to kind of go from there. Man, have you thought about it? Can you imagine the kind of dad uh, Zacharias had to be? Stand there, and God says, that I'm going to give you a son. His name's going to be John, right? Or, or Joseph. Can you imagine the kind of dad Joseph had to be to protect Mary? Or how about uh, uh, Jairus? His daughter's dying, and he had to go out in public and find Jesus. Dads, are you, are you catching this? I hope this morning you're catching how important dads are. I really hope you are. John chapter 20, uh, one verse, and uh, then I'm going to talk about it. Jesus said, do not hold on to me. One, don't. It's interesting to me how many people think that Jesus was the climactic expression of the Trinitarian God that we call Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Je- Jesus looks at Mary and says, don't hold on to me. For I have not yet ascended to my Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I'm returning to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Wow. Say, say, my Father. Isn't it interesting that Jesus came revealing the Father, but in his final departing word as he goes to heaven right after the resurrection, he goes, he's yours too. He's yours too. To recognize that Jesus came so that we could be adopted, so that we're not orphans, so that, that, that we're brought into, that we're, we're part of. He said, don't hold on to me. Because he said, I'm going to your father and my father. This, this exit to me is, is one of the most important realities that I've ever seen in the body of Christ. It, it, it's, it's something in the scriptures that just, I, I think we I think we frankly, miss it. And 50 days later, he he gets ready to leave. 50 days later, 40 days actually, but 50 days after this event, he said, I want you to stay right here because I'm going to send the promise of the Father. I think a couple weeks ago, I began to talk to you. That's in Luke 24, verse 49. Stay here because the promise of the Father. The climactic moment of the entire revelation of God to humanity is to give you this thing called the promise of the Father. Because if you ever get the promise of the Father, the Bible says that you will have power. He said, I I, I want you not just to know that God's your Father, but I want you to have the promise of the Father. There are all kinds of people in the body of Christ. They know Jesus is Lord, and they know God is their Father, but they've yet to receive the promise of the Father. He said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you the paraclete, is the word in the Greek. I'm going to send you the comforter, the helper, and he's going to come on the inside of you. And I want you to make sure that you get this other, not, not, not just the Son, not just the Father, but this spirit, this promise of God. 
The promise of God that endues you with the power, the strength, the reality of how to be a child of God. If you ever try to be a child of God without the promise of the Father, can I tell you, you're going to be frustrated. Because no one can love their enemy on their own. No one can forgive somebody that slaps them in their face on their own. Nobody knows how to do this on their own. Even though you've been adopted, you cannot do this under your own strength. You have to have the strength of this other one called the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. And we, I hope, as the Father's house, we, we, we believe in the presence of the Spirit of God. Don't, I mean, I don't, I don't have, we're not ashamed of the fact that we believe in being filled with, under the control of, empowered by. We're not just academians. We, we like the demonstration of. We like the tangibility of the fact that, that Jesus came so that we would become the temple, the abiding, the home, and that he would live in us. And so I want to make sure, as your pastor, that you understand we're supposed to experience this promise. And this promise is not heaven. This promise is the presence of God in our life today, on Sunday. Uh, What is today? The 15th of June. 16th of June. I don't know what day it is. I've been been somewhere, and I'm back, and I don't know where I'm at. And So on the 16th of June in 2019, the promise is yours. It's, it's, it's your promise. And Jesus said, listen, I died and I rose again. Don't cling to me. I got something I want to give to you. I get so tickled with people that say, well, if God wanted me to have the gifts of the Spirit, he'd give them to you. Duh. Duh. He did it. Right, just because other people have been stupid with those gifts doesn't... You know why most people don't operate in the gifts of the Spirit? Because they saw somebody else take that toy and mess with it. Just because other people broke their toy doesn't mean I'm not going to play with mine. Just because I've seen people be silly with the gifts of the Spirit doesn't mean I don't want them. Some of you have a bias against the spiritual gifts, and you're waiting for God to grab your tongue. You're waiting to hear God out of the phone booth say, yeah, I'll pray for them. No, it's your gift now. If you don't want it to leave it laying there, leave it laying there. But the promise is, oh, notice how quiet this Spirit-filled church gets. You mean I'm responsible? Yeah, you're responsible to operate in the gifts that God has given to us. You are responsible. Nobody's going to force you to pick up that gift. No one's going to force you to do it. But Jesus said, I want you to receive this promise. Say, this promise. This promise of the presence of God, the paraclete. The word paraclete means to come alongside, to come within. It's kind of, come on, guys, this is for you. It's brave heart. It's gladiator. It it literally, in the Hebrew, take it out of the Greek, put it in Hebrew, it means battle buddy. It means to put your behind against another guy's behind, and you're going to turn like this, and I'm not leaving this battlefield without you. If you don't leave the battlefield, I'm not leaving the battlefield. I'm stuck to you, and whoever is your enemy is my enemy. You're my partner. I'm not. I'm going to send to you the person that will never leave you, never forsake you, never leave you alone. Because you see, you got to understand something. God is faithful to his promise. He is always going to strengthen you. He is always going to come and get you. Even if you're stupid enough to go into captivity, he's going to show up and help you to take over the country that took you. Even if they throw you in the furnace, he's going to show up. Even if Goliath comes against you, he's going to... 
David understood this. He said, I, I, the battle's not mine. I'm coming at you in the name of God. This isn't my war. I have a buddy. I have a, I have a brother. I have a friend. I have a helper. I have a, and he ain't never going to leave me in this mess, even though I probably deserve to be in this mess. He's never. And Jesus said, this is the promise, that there's another one going to come and stick to you, stick in you, and he'll fight for you, and he'll never leave you, even... And yet, so much of the body of Christ today has forgotten that they can operate in this thing called the Holy Spirit. We actually get scared of it because we think it's Hasper or something. (laughs) And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one place in one accord. Are we all here? If you're not here... And then suddenly there came a sound from heaven as the rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Say, everyone heard it. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. The promise of the Father here. It's the indwelling. It's the coming. And they were in this place. And it occurred. And it, 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 it happened on the day of Pentecost. And if you're a Hebrew, you understand this. Because the day of Pentecost was the celebration of the first fruits. It was like the first harvest. The first resurrection. And so to mark that event on the day. Jesus, that, on that day, it was specific. But the second meaning of the day of Pentecost was the same day it celebrated that Moses got the law. Moses goes up to the mountain and the mountain shakes and there's a cloud and there's a storm and God hands him these tablets and there's the Ten Commandments written on the, on the stone and those are the rules to live by and, and Moses' face glows with the glory of God that they had to cover it, but it fades. And, and, and so the day of Pentecost is the day that God makes himself known on the mountain, hands them the Ten Commandments, and the glory is there. And now on the day of Pentecost, God isn't going to write this on stone. God isn't going to, to give this glory that fades. God's going to write it on the hearts of men. Meaning that the law of the Ten Commandments out here is fulfilled by Christ. And now he's going to write the law of love in our hearts. And it's internally. It's not out here judging us. It's in here empowering us to love one another. And the Holy Spirit comes and sheds the love of God in our hearts. And he, he, Ezekiel and Jeremiah say, I'm going to give you a new heart. And I'm going to write it in here. And, and so when the Holy Spirit comes, he tattoos this thing inside of you. And you become the letters. And I don't have to go read the Ten Commandments on stone. I just have to look at you. And you're, you're expressing, don't leave until the glory of God that never fades is placed in your life. Listen, to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and not get this is to miss the whole thing. That's, that's why so much of America today, they, they, they're still trying to keep the Ten Commandments and not allowing this love to flow in their hearts. This power of God, this presence of God that now doesn't stand outside but comes inside to empower you to become. Man, I want that. Does anybody else in here want that? 
You know, I give gifts to my grandchildren. It's hard to believe, but I do. And they say, thank you. I mean, everybody says, you get a gift, they say, thank you. But did you know the real display of gratitude is when I see them enjoying the thing? If, if they're not overjoyed, I mean, the, the best thank you I get is when I give them a gift and then they go out in the yard and write it and they're just giggling and they're laughing and they're playing and they're throwing the ball. What's interesting to me about Christians is they get this great gift of God and they look like they've been handed a persimmon <laughs> or a pickle, okra. I mean, when, when we receive this thing called the promise of the Father, it's supposed to cause us to have so much joy that people are just amazed that we're... I don't know, you think, you think, he, really, you think he really wants me to enjoy these gifts? You think, you, you think I'm supposed to... Well, I don't know, you know, we, well, we're supposed to suffer for Jesus. Would you shut up? I've had it up to here with people that are still trying to suffer for Jesus. I don't even have to go looking for suffering. It happens every morning. At two o'clock. And I have to get up out of bed. I used to be able to sleep until about six. I'm suffering enough. I'm looking for joy. I mean, you keep telling us to suffer more for Jesus. I don't have to look to suffer. I have to get up at two. Well, you're talking about suffering. I think I'll enjoy this gift. Because you're missing the stinking point. He suffered for us all and then sent his power into our lives so that we could live through the suffering and not make a big deal about it. Like I just did. How many of you want this gift? This promise. This power. This joy. This peace. These gifts that are unexplainable. Well, let me tell you something. They don't come in a discernible, rational way. The wind blows from God knows where and goes to who knows where, and it comes rushing through your life and slaps you, and you go, where where did that come from? Who that? That's good. I mean, if you're waiting for this to make sense, it comes like a wind. It sits on fire. I I mean, people would die here this morning if they could really see the fire of God hovering over their head. You you really, I want to see what God's doing. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Because it's like fire from the loins up and fire from the loins down. And it's a consuming thing. And it overwhelms you. And you're out of control with it. I ain't going to that church. I know. Because you have to be in control. And see, there's not going to be any promise of the Father as long as we as human beings think we can... The wind of the Spirit, the power that comes, this breath of God. He, it took him a, a day to form Adam, but it took him thousands of years to form the body of Christ. In a day, he formed Adam and breathed into the individual. It took thousands of years to form 120 individuals into one. See, if all you're concerned about is your individual faith, you've missed the point. He could form an individual in a day out of clay. 
It took him a thousand years and his own death, burial, and resurrection to get 120 people to believe that God was the same God to all of us and that we all could stand in one place and be of one mind and one accord. And we didn't have to be divided by denominations or doctrines or institutions or ideas or but that together we stand in the current grace of God and we become the body of Christ living together. And there, the power of the Spirit. The reason why we're not experiencing revival in America is because we're so divided. We're comparing ourselves to one another. You do know what a fundamental is. A fundamental person is a person that thinks they're the only ones gonna be in heaven. You gotta look like this to be there. If you don't look like this, if you don't believe what I believe, you gotta have my experience. And then you're, you do know in the Father's house, there are many rooms. There's going to be all kinds of different looking people believing different kinds of things, but they just know Jesus is Lord. They don't know what to do with it, but they're, I got news for you. There's going to be Catholics there. Whew. Going to stretch your Pentecostal mind, but there are going to be Catholics there. There are going to be Methodists there who believe that, oh, There are going to be people there that are going to believe that people you don't believe know Jesus. There are going to be people there that you just swear couldn't. Mm. The promise of God, the power of the Holy Spirit comes in an undiscernible way. It comes as wind and fire and noise. and It's about 120 coming together. And in that togetherness, there's something of a display of the... Yeah, that guy stood up and he said something for about two minutes and it didn't benefit me at all. Well, then it wasn't for you. You think everything that goes on in this room is for you? You think everything that goes on in, in the church has to do with you? Because I promise you, as you dismissed what I said or dismissed what Kent said or dismissed what they sung, there was somebody else going, that was for me. You didn't hear me. See, see, there's all kinds of things going on in this room, people, and, and this speaks to this one, and that speaks to this one, and this speaks to this one, that speaks to this one over here, and we need to celebrate the fact that that wasn't for me. That must have been for somebody else. Thank God somebody else got what they needed this morning. Thank God I'm okay. I didn't need anything. I just came to be supportive. I just came to worship God. I, I don't have any broken. I'm not an addict. I'm, I'm, my marriage is good. I, I just came to be helpful to those that might be going through something this morning. I didn't need to be here, but other people needed me to be here just to celebrate what they, I, I'm just part of the 120. And I, I see the church doesn't know much about that because they got to go and get their cappuccino and it's got to have their music and it needs to be dimly lit or largely lit or whatever. I don't like the smoke. I do like the smoke. Well, where's the cross? It's on the screen. You'll get it in a minute. <laughs> and he breathed into that unity. He breathed into that 120. He breathed into different people. He breathed into the midst of that diversity and the power of God hit there. And 
springs of water and people that were hiding a while ago are now out in the streets shouting that Jesus is Lord. You see, the power of the Holy Spirit causes evangelism. There will be no evangelism without the Holy Spirit. There will be no mission fulfillment without the Holy Spirit. We'll never have the guts to do anything without the Holy Spirit. Timidity is broken by the Holy Spirit. Boldness comes by the Holy Spirit. Healing happens by the Holy Spirit. You're born again by the Holy Spirit. You say, Jesus is Lord by the Holy Spirit. We need to thank God for the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father that lives on the inside of us, the fire that burns in our I just, need, I just need to be more aware of the Spirit of God that lives and moves. This is not an intellectual experience. It bypasses your brain. <laughs> I don't care how good a brain you got. It ain't big enough. It doesn't move fast enough. Ezekiel talks about this river. You know how Jesus said these rivers will come? Most people today are still dissecting this Bible, trying, okay, now he meant this, he meant this. You do understand that if you try to literally do that, you're going to be confused because Jesus uses metaphors. God uses metaphors and symbols. I mean, it, it, you got to catch that. And, and so the river of God that's going to flow out of you, and Ezekiel talks about how he said, go measure the river. And he went in his ankle deep. And then he's over his head. And, and, and the prophet says, I never could get across that river. I can't get through that river. You know, there are rivers that he'll part and let you through. There's other rivers he won't let you go. Can I tell you something about the Holy Spirit? You ain't crossing this one. You ain't getting through this one. You're going to drown in this one. You're going to live over your head in this one. God is not supposed to be crossed. He's supposed to be lived in. You, you won't get, you'll never measure the Holy Spirit. You'll never define it. There, I, 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 listen, I've been this all my life. You'll never figure this out. You, you've just got to relax in it. You've got to let the wind blow and the fire burn and the river run. And you, you just got to, and the gifts, well, you need to control those gifts. I wished I could. That's like saying I didn't want George saved. Seriously. You, you, you. We sing, I want revival. And then we sit down and go, Is it, when's he going to be done? We say we want revival. And they go, what was that guy talking about? The power of the Holy Spirit. This thing that identifies us as children of God. Listen, we'll never be identified as children of God because we're Baptist or Methodist, because we don't or we do, we will or we won't. We'll be, we're identified as children of God by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Peter stood up and went, Shazam! Them Gentiles have the Holy Spirit. I didn't think they could even be saved. Go look in the Bible. It's Acts chapter 10. Shazam. Cornelius and his whole household are talking in tongues. Oh my God, we can't talk about talking in tongues because we don't need... Well, listen, the talking in tongues is what made Peter go, Shazam. Shazam. They're... they're, they're Saying stuff that I don't understand. Listen, I've heard people talk in English and I didn't understand it. <laughs> this doesn't mean you have to babble in something that sounds like gibberish. This just means I've heard people tell me about their experiences with God. And I'm going, okay. Listen, 
When people move beyond your understanding of God, that's the Holy Spirit. When they start telling you that they saw this or that, who are you to question? When people start having experiences that are unexplainable, when people start quitting their jobs and going to Africa, when people start praying for you on the front of the church or in the coffee shop, when people start doing unrational things in the name of God, listen to me. We're supposed to be doing unrational things in the name of God. Things that Peter would never have done, now he's doing. Are, are you Christian, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll find yourself unexcited about what the world is excited about and excited about stuff that the world knows nothing about. You'll be different. You, you, you'll think you can walk on water. You'll think you can, you'll, you'll, you'll begin to believe that there's nothing that can stop you because he's with you. you fear will begin. It is not natural not to have fear. I mean, normal people are afraid. Come on. We teach our kids to stay out of the street. Normal people have fear. But when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you think you can fly away. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll start witnessing to some dude with a gun. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you won't be trying to buy a gun. You'll be trying to take it out of their hand. What are you talking about? I've walked into people's houses and walked up to them while they were holding the gun against their wife's head and took the gun. And when the police officer showed up, he said, what kind of a nut are you? He ripped his shirt open and go, do you have one of these? I say, no, don't have one of them. He said, then what are you doing? I don't know. When people start doing stuff that's not normal, that's God. It's more than tongues. It's not limited to tongues. It's just when you lose your mind. Some of you need to lose your mind. Your mind is holding you back from the things of God. And the Bible talks about to step out of your carnal, rational mind and into this mind that makes no sense. In the early days, when I had no idea, I would answer the phone. And she would take the phone, go, he's lost his mind. <laughs> and it's true. Bruce was there. I lost my mind. Listen to me. You need to step out of your rational understanding of Jesus and let the promise of the Holy Spirit begin to empower you to move beyond the limitations that you have established for yourself. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's over your head. It's limitless. It's what identifies us as the people. Them Gentiles. Shazam. Wow. Heard a story one time about a guy that bought a ticket to go to England on a boat and he packed his suitcase and he put cheese and crackers in the suitcase and every day when the people went up on top of the ship to eat lunch he'd go down in his stateroom open his suitcase and eat cheese and crackers on the last day of the crossing the people said why haven't you eaten with us he said well I couldn't afford the ticket for the meals and they said the meals are in the ticket dummy 
Christian. The Holy Spirit's part of the deal. It's not extra. It's free. You can eat. Shazam. I stood in a room last week. They wore dresses. Had collars. They're different from you and me. And they were singing, How great is our God. How great. Somebody help me. Is our God. And they would hold that note. Ah. And 10,000 people in collars and dresses would be going. Wow. These people that have statues of Jesus hanging on a wall and Mary back here. They got the Holy Spirit. Wow. I don't understand this. Shazam. There are people that have been baptized in the Holy Spirit that I didn't even think knew Jesus. Now i got to tell you, this isn't my first trip. I'm doing this for you. What am I trying to say to you? Man, you ought to let, some of you ought to let the Catholics kick you right in the behind. Some of you that claim to be Pentecostals and Spirit-filled, you have no idea that when we hit that... That's your opportunity to let God do whatever he wants to do. I I mean, I walked in and out of the Vatican, and there's people over in the corner going, I just believe in the name of Jesus that they're healed. And I'm thinking, hmm. Hmm. Well, we're arguing about who's in, who's out. They're just living in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't get it either. I just, Shazam. Right? And then the little dude in white stands up, you know. I got his hat. I could show you his hat. He gave me his hat on the last trip. And he stands up and he says, I want you to know three things. I want you to do three things. Share the baptism of the Holy Spirit with everybody. Wait a minute. You can't say that. You're the Pope. You're the Antichrist. (laughs) Right? Number two, work for the unity of the entire body of Christ. Huh. Number three, remember the poor. That's kind of hard to argue with. I mean, really, seriously. Ain't much anti about that. But, so the question today is, have you received the promise of the Father? And it doesn't mean that the promise is not in you, because I truly believe that everybody believes that Jesus is Lord. I believe the Spirit's in you. But to open the closet and let him out is another story. To open the door that you got him locked in, because he's there. And let him come. Let him move in your life. Can I tell you, 
The first thing he'll do is make you fall in love with somebody you don't like. <laughs> Be the first thing he does. It's make you love people that you didn't love before. Make you work for the unity of Christ. And then he'll make you notice people less fortunate than you. He'll give you eyes for people that don't have. And, and, and then all of a sudden, those poor people will be transformed. And they'll be Christ to you. Those people that are less fortunate than you will suddenly change. Because he said, you do it unto them, you've done it unto And all of a sudden, those poor people, you'll see God. And the same way he served you, you'll be serving him. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. It takes your mind off of you and puts it on other people. See, you don't want the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it benefits you. You want the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it benefits others. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Father's House. We hope you stay connected by following us online at fathershouse.net. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at TFH Hutch.